of the Sacred Feminine, uh, to all my friends, fans, and colleagues. I'm your host, uh, Karen Tate, and uh, it is my great pleasure to be with you again this week. And uh, just a shout-out to Abigail Spinner McBride. Uh, She's such a great and talented artist, and uh, you are listening to a little bit of her snippet called Let the Way Be Open. And uh, tonight uh, we have returning to the show, uh, after being gone a long while, uh, our guest, uh, Julia Stonehouse, uh, and our topic is the misconception files. And uh, just a little intro on Julia, uh, she's a researcher and writer living in the UK. Uh, Her latest book, uh, The Misconception Files, looks at contemporary gender politics, history, and prehistory from the point of view of people's ideas. Ideas about where babies come from, and uh, she—I uh, I, I think she's so astute and witty. She calls this subject conception theory. Um, and I want to make sure I mention her website uh, just in case uh, in our conversation it slips by us later. Uh, that would be the misconceptionfiles.com. So, Julia, welcome to the show. Glad to have you back. Hi, Karen. Thank you. So um, this subject, I know, uh, you know, this has been your driving passion for some time. Um, why don't you enlighten listeners on why this subject uh, is important to you and should be important to all of us? Um, Karen, here's the thing. Until the turn of the 20th century, people had no idea where babies come from. And instead, they held to the historical view that children grew from a seed planted in the woman by a man. And that made him the sole parent. Uh, This is no minor incidental. And it dovetails into all issues um, to do with patriarchy, in my view. I mean, obviously, a woman carries a child and gives birth. But uh, that just made her an incubator for male seed. So let me be clear. Until 1900 AD, the turn of the 20th century, women were denied parentage. Yeah, so it gives all the power to, uh, you know, to the male uh, and it really sort of diminishes the role of uh, the female in the whole uh, giving birth thing. Um, oh, it, so it, it, went very, it went very, very deep. And this is why <clears throat> I'm, I'm, you know, so kind of uh, obsessed with this subject because it's not been explored and yet it explains everything. 
So well, and and, it, and I think it's hard for us to even um, wrap our minds around uh, the fact. I, I mean, it's just something we take for granted that people know where babies come from and how that, that all works. That's uh, absolutely and, and true. I mean, uh, well, uh, this is exactly the line I come across all the time. Uh, the quote uh, that people throw back at me. I thought people have always known the facts of life. I've yeah. heard it a million times. And, right. and you put your finger right on it. That is the problem. Well, and we know, you know, with feminist theology, I mean, in the very earliest of times, they, you know, I mean, things sort of got turned around because in the very earliest times, they didn't know that men played a role in uh, uh, in, in creating life. It was just the women uh, because... They saw yeah. the woman, you know, her belly grew, she gave birth, she could bleed without dying. You know, they didn't know yeah. men had a role in it at all. Not at all. And and there are people in the world today who, who believe exactly that. The Trobriand Islanders in the Solomon Sea, which is off Papua New Guinea, basically, uh, where I've been. And um, you can take patriarchy, you can flip it upside down, and get you got the complete opposite of patriarchy there. They admire women's sexuality. Yeah. They don't think men have anything to do with uh, reproduction other than keeping the baby passage, the vagina, open and lubricated so the baby can come out. <laughs> you know, it's nothing to do with anything going in. And where was this again? All the Trobriand Islands. And where is that? Uh, well, if, if you can imagine Papua New Guinea, um, if you take a plane going east... Uh, in, towards the Solomon Sea, towards the Solomon Islands, it's, okay. it's in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so when did we finally discover the facts of life? Um, it was such a long journey, uh, involving generations of embryologists, uh, 19th century. Um, you could say it started with Carl Ernst von Weyer, who discovered the mammalian ovum in a dog in 1827. But his work was met, as he records in his autobiography, by altum silentum, silence. Um, he was ignored by the scientific community and went on to have a nervous breakdown, um, which he describes in his book. Uh, meanwhile, um, embryologists were working on frogs, sea urchins, parasitic worms, bats, and other small creatures, and coming to the realization that sperm meets with an ovum, there is fusion, cell multiplication, and the beginning of life. But uh, even by that time, which I, I, it's 1900, because they also, Mendel's work uh, was also kind of, they say, rediscovered. In fact, it had been sitting there for, for, for many decades. Um, but even by the turn of the 20th century, there were plenty of people who were not prepared to accept that humans were the same as uh, the low, low, slimy pond life that all the experiments had been done on. Mm -hmm. um, it was only, in fact, in 1960, at the start of IVF experimentation, that Landrum Shettles took a picture and finally proved human reproduction works in exactly the same way. Um, because, you know, uh, by that time, of course, scientists discovered chromosomes and, you know, all the rest of it, and it was no surprise. But it was actually a landmark. I mean, that was the first kind of photographic proof that we were the same as frogs. So... Hmm. Um, yeah, and um, so was this sort of this uh, idea of the singular seed or two seed idea is kind of I'm what sorry? I'm getting. I, so I, I'm sort of getting this idea that there, you know, people's understanding was 
um, you know, it was originally just a single seed rather than uh, the the sperm and ovum coming together as two seeds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and that is, in fact, a pretty logical idea, given that all plant seeds are singular. I mean, you know, you put one seed in the ground and an entire plant grows from it, laden with the seed of future generation. Nobody was looking for two seeds in fusion. Um, and, and that was, you know, the complicating factor about it. I mean, they did talk about female seed. Galen talked about it. Aristotle talked about it. But they they were not talking about seed as we understand the word. Right. Um, and when so, when you had the yeah when you had the kind so, of Italian schools of medicine and so forth, um, they used the word seed too. But it always had adjectives that made it very clear that it was non-generative. Mm-hmm. You know okay. they they talked to, yeah they talked about the um, uh, menstrual blood being Aristotle said menstrual blood is is he called it matter, but uh, you know a lot of people refer to that as female seed. But of course it's not seed. It's just Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a very sharp distinction between what the man provided and the woman she helped, you know. Right, right. So so who were the main drivers of uh, of this theory? Well, uh, Aristotle and Galen, of course, were huge influences. In uh, 350 BC, Aristotle noted that menstruation stops when a woman becomes pregnant, which, of course, everybody knew, and concluded that prime matter, as he called it, went to make the body of the baby. And he said, the male semen cooks and shapes menstrual blood into a new human being. (laughs) And that the semen provided the form by which he meant the blueprint. And the sentient soul, which has been variously translated as meaning consciousness or soul, feelings. Um, But anyway, the thinking creative part and also the principle of movement. In other words, you know, what makes a person move. So if you can think of the picture of God touching Adam's finger on the Sistine Chapel, you know, mm. that is God giving Adam the breath of life. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about life itself. That is what men had in their seed. Mm-hmm. Um, Galen came much later, 500 years later, and he maintained that the ovaries produce a lubricant that aids intercourse or provides nourishment for the fetus. And although he called it seed, he too was certain that it, to quote him, contributes nothing to the generation of offspring. So, so Julia, do you <clears throat> think these two guys were um, honest uh, in their... Well, where am I? Where am I going with this? Um, do you think they just made a simple mistake, or this was misogyny? Well, that is a very interesting question, Karen. And first of all, uh, let it be said that this idea had been around for a long time. I mean, this idea was, you know, what wiped out the goddess religions basically, and the whole, you know, nice world we all lived in before patriarchy came along. Um, but Galen did flat out lie because what he said, well, uh, he wanted to prove why the female seed, which he identified with lubricant, if you like, you know, vaginal lubricant of some sort, some say, anyway, whatever, but, but liquid, if you like. And um, so he then had to explain why that female 
uh, seed, as he called it, was non-generative. And he did that. <laughs> These Greeks, you know, and Romans, they had very complicated ideas about how the body worked. But essentially, they saw the female side as the left side of the body and heat as that which generates perfection. And they said, he said that the abdominal veins did not go to the kidneys and cleanse the blood on the left side of the body. Therefore, the female side, the left side, couldn't generate enough heat to make her semen perfect. And that's why she was an underdeveloped man. He saw the vagina as an internal version of the external penis and the ovaries as an internal uh, testicles and she had basically not been cooked to perfection and hadn't popped out as it were <laughs> and likewise her, her seed wasn't perfect and could not generate he was very clear about that and even well, the if failures. you could see me, I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And the thing is this, Karen, that actually if you compare the seam, this, a, a sperm with an ovum, the sperm is the, is the smallest cell in the human body, the, the, the ovum is the largest. And, of course, uh, although you don't kind of see it when, when you look at um, a sperm going into an ovum in a Petri dish because it's done with a needle, but actually the head falls off. So you've only got the DNA and RNA in the head of the sperm that enters the ovum. But uh, meanwhile, of course, the female has her own DNA and her own RNA and, of course, her mitochondrial DNA, but she has all the organelles. And so the ovum is actually responsible for moving things around, you know, processing mm -hmm. food, cleaning the body, you know, everything. If you think well, of all the organs uh, in your body. Well, yeah. Wouldn't Aristotle and Galen be um, heartbroken to oh, finally God. learn that all humans start out as female? <laughs> Karen, I can see the, Aristotle their falling off his, <laughs> I can see him falling off his pedestal right now. <laughs> uh, but Galen lied. I mean, Galen flat out lied. In fact, I, I don't know if we can really blame Galen for it because he didn't actually do any anatomical work on humans. He worked on monkeys. He just mm -hmm. pretended our people assumed he worked on humans. You know, however the kind yeah. of you know myth came about that he was the great anatomist. Right. Because of course, once you had Christianity, you were forbidden to work on human bodies. Oh, okay. And so right. his work was then taken as gospel, you know, for, for, for hundreds of years. Well, uh, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> taken as gospel. Um, yes. But these, but these, uh, these crazy ideas, uh, they really had an impact on society. Um, so why don't you speak to some of those, um, uh, the consequences of these ideas? Oh, God, there are so many of them, Karen. Um, but first of all, of course, a man has to have sons, you know, because only a, a, a male child has within him testicles in which there are seeds of the future generations. A man has to have a son. It's as simple as that. And if you look at all the baby girls being killed around the world, um, I think there are 170 million missing females in the world today, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them in Eastern Europe. Uh, horribly enough um, not a lot because most when you talk numbers you're talking about India and China and Pakistan but yeah 
there are a lot of missing girls. Um, <clears throat> you have to have a son. And girl children are no consolation because they have no seed. In evolutionary terms, they're a dead end. So you think that, um, so it's not just a preference for males. They're really buying into this non-scientific idea? Oh, God, yes. Um, you, can, you can see it in, um, in Egypt, in Turkey, uh, India, all over the world. This idea is absolutely embedded in society. Um, well, yeah. and, and and I mean, I knew it was. I mean, I know about the you know the preference for the male babies, and you know the fact that infanticide. I mean, they'll they'll kill the girl babies. But I did, and, and but I really really didn't realize that it was because of this idea that um, uh, you know the girls have no seed. It's the it's the male children that carry the seed. I just oh, thought yeah. in patriarchy it was because the uh, you know, the male is preferred and, you know, the woman is a second-class citizen and they don't want to pay for dowries to marry well, off the... Well, all, all, all of these things follow, follow on. You might say, well, it's because the father's going to give her away to another family um, mm-hmm. and he's got to pay a dowry or, or you know, they're, they're a poor family, they can't feed all their children or, or whatever it is. There are lots of societal things that kind of stew around this. Behind all of that is the notion that, you know, your, your daughters, they don't belong to you. You know, they, they, they are tools for making babies. And yeah. your daughter yeah. is going to marry a man from another tribe. He is, they are going to have children. And they are going to be his children. So yeah. the father is not actually related to his grandchildren through his daughter, only through his son. Yeah. And, of course, this is why inheritance goes along the male line, inheritance of land and property. Yeah. Why, why are you going to leave your land to a, a daughter who will marry a man from another family and have children who will be the husband's grown seed? You know, there's right, absolutely right, right. no point. So uh, there are other things. You know, a huge polarity was established with this seed notion <clears throat> because you know between the genders. And... Because people associated nature which, with God, and um, men had been designated in nature the seed carrier, that gave men God-given authority. Men had a little portion of that creativity, that big universal creativity of God. Men had a little portion of that, but the, but the women didn't. Oh. Oh. Are you there? Julia? 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 Um, I hear you. Hello? But you have... oh, oh, hey, oh, sorry. I watched you for a moment. Oh, right. I don't know. I heard a beep and then it just kind of went off. Um, no, no, we, we've, we've been here, but, but go ahead. I think the last oh. thing you were talking about was... Um, uh, you know the uh, the men had a closer association with the, the with the divine, and the link gave them <coughs> spiritual authority. Oh God, yes. Uh, a, a woman was not creative. She wasn't. She didn't have that spirituality that God had. There was no portion of that inside her. It only came with the male, and um, this had 
unbelievable consequences because obviously women were denied all access to spiritual authority. They had no connection with the spiritual. And when it came to creativity, um, let, let, me, let me just tell you, there was this Frenchman called the Comte de Buffon. He was around in Beethoven's time. And he wrote, the male semen is the sculptor, the menstrual blood is the block of marble, and the fetus is the figure which is fashioned out of this combination. So this is how they perceived women. They were the material that the man worked on, but the man was the sculptor. He was the yeah. artist. Yeah. And um, this is a very, very profound uh, distinction. And um, it, he, Aristotle, for example, said, the male stands for the effective and the active and the female for the passive. Of course, the active elements are always higher on any scale and more divine. Men were categorized through this incorrect biology as being more divine. And this was absolutely understood by everybody. And, um, because, and Aristotle also said, that which comes into being is male is better. Men thought of themselves as superior. They had it from Aristotle. They were literally superior, not different and equal, superior. <clears throat> and then Aristotle said, the male seed provides the form, the principle of the movement, the sentient soul, so on and so forth. And, of course, you know, the spark of life itself. Um, uh, and if it was a male child, he got the creativity and the divinity, but the female child did not. And, you know, women could not be creative. It was like they were in a box. Obviously, they mm -hmm. were prevented by the restrictions on their movements and the lack of financial independence and all those kind of things. Yeah. But this false notion of nature also meant that um, you, couldn't defy, you couldn't defy it because mm -hmm. it was determined by God. It was nature. It was blasphemous. Defying it could get you killed. Yeah. And you were in a kind of, you know, to come out of this non-creative box was a kind of intellectual transvestism. You know, I and mean, these are very deep, deep, deep reasons why women couldn't be creative. And, and it, it really I makes mean, it, you wonder um, the effect it had on women, too, the psychological effect. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you had your women who just sort of took it as normal, but um, I bet every woman didn't just take it as normal and okay, and uh, this was who they really were. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, they were in a, in a, like a kind of a state of existential annihilation, you know, call it mm -hmm. a maze. They were in a box they couldn't get out. You'd have to be very, very brave, you know, yeah. to challenge all of this. Or you'd have to go to a nunnery. That was the best place yeah. to be if you were a yeah. creative woman by far. I mean, even in the time of Darwin, um, he had no idea where babies come from. He had, you know, this idea about gemmules traveling around the body in a, a system called pangenesis or nonsense and but he wrote an american rights activist caroline kennard wrote to him saying you know please tell me you're a very smart guy surely women are equal and he wrote back to her shortly in 1882 just before he died he said there seems to me to be a great difficulty from the laws of inheritance 
brackets, if I understand these laws rightly, in women becoming the intellectual equals of men. Now, he was arguing against the education for women on the basis of what he called the laws of inheritance, which are the facts of life. That's what he's talking about. That's what that phrase means, the laws of inheritance. Okay, so it wasn't something about inheriting property. No, no, not at all. It was a very, this is, these are all very, very seated notions. Uh, they're, they're profoundly deep, and they, were, they are absolutely rife throughout the entire, you know, period of time we appropriately call history. You know, this is so what does, people thought. So does female ch- chastity fit into any of this? Well, yeah, because if you think that the child is the grown seed of the man, it's his child. It is 100% his child, or it's 100% some other guy's. It's 0% the woman's. It doesn't Mm -hmm. belong to her. It's got nothing to do with her. And when you realize that, a lot of other things make sense. For example, in, in Britain, a woman had absolutely no rights whatsoever over her chil- the children that came out from her, her very own body, from between her legs. She had no rights over this, this person mm-hmm. who came out of her own body in, 18, in 1878. And then there were very small incremental steps when things began to change. But women got equal rights to men in terms of parentage in 1973. In England, wow. 1973, the Guardianship Act, uh, and, and that was the final stage of a very long, you know, incremental small changes. The men are very reluctant to give up anything, you know, Karen. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, <laughs> from, from 1878, you know, now now think about the women in Saudi Arabia, where they have to get permission from their very own son. To, to, to travel on an airplane. I mean, how um, mad is that? It's mad. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, it it's insulting. I, I mean, it's <laughs> just in, insulting. It's so insulting. But it makes a lot more sense when you realize that, that these children are not actually the children of the mothers. They're mm-hmm. the children of the fathers. They've got nothing to do. You know, it's like you put a bun in the oven. Those yeah. buns don't belong to the oven. They belong to the baker. You know. well, yeah, I mean, it, it's almost, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking this, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking this through, and I'm hearing you talk, and the mother who gave birth to the child is really, uh, it's almost like she's uh, the household servant in a way. Yes, you know, she's, exactly. she's got to get permission from the children to be yes. able to do something, you know, any, anybody else can do most any place else. Yeah, it's completely mad. But it it only makes sense, you know, when you realize that actually they didn't think women were mothers. Then it begins to make sense. And, of course, the the women had no sexual rights because, hello, they didn't reproduce. That's why they had no sexual rights. They had no – their sexuality didn't belong to them. It belonged to men. It belonged to their father. It belonged to their husband. But it did not belong to them. They had no sexual rights because they didn't reproduce. This is absolutely key to understanding all of that. 
Well, um, and that makes me think about the evangelical Christians here in the United States who are so keen on the idea that the woman is there to always pleasure and submit to her husband at his will. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that fits perfectly into this. Well, um, um, all the patriarchal religions, you know, soaked up this whole concept, which predates them all. Um, yeah. Even the Book of Manu, which is the Hindu book, you know, it's it's exactly the same. Um, but they sucked up this entire notion like a big fat sponge, and it became embedded in in all the you know the patriarchal religions via uh, via which, of course, it spread all over the world. Now, I'm going to say something that some people might think is crude, but I'm sorry. I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I think this so so explains the fact that men don't take rape seriously because that part down there that belongs to a woman, that's nothing but a pleasure box. You know, for them to ram jam and do whatever they need to do and uh, to hell with, uh, you know, to hell with the woman. You know, that's how they can justify, you know, all the ugly things they do with their penises. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, Karen. You know, they um, this this is something that has been going on for such a long time um, and we've never really kind of analyzed it in this way. Um, you know, I think this totally explains patriarchy. Um, a, because it's logical, and B, because it's what men said for thousands of years. You know, that's well, why I'm Well, you know, Julia, I, I, I'm so glad you continue to talk about this because, you know, especially now with, um, you know, the hashtag Me Too and the hashtag Time's Up, I'm sure you're probably hearing about that over in the U.K. as well. You know, oh, yeah. it, it's it, it, I mean, it's the perfect time. I mean, I said this a couple shows ago, but, you know, it, it bears repeating. You know, now is the perfect time to talk about domestic violence, to talk about rape, to talk about assault, uh, you know, to talk about female genital mutilation. I mean, all the ugly things, you know, women's, the sexual part of women's bodies, all the degradation, the abuse, even just bad sex. You know, men who don't care enough to make sure the woman has pleasure. You know, uh, even let's go that far. Let's have these conversations now. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Karen. Um, These things are are very, very deep. Your observation about rape, I think, is absolutely on point. Um, And, you know... This this thing about um, a woman has no sexual rights because she doesn't actually reproduce, you know, is 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 what covers a lot of these issues. FGM, for example, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a woman has no right to, to sexuality because it's got nothing to do with her. It's a man's thing. It's her. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's his access. Yeah. Um, you know, domestic violence and all of that lead lead absolutely into all of this. It's um, yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah, well, it's and, and I'm a little annoyed, to be quite frank. I mean, I don't know about you know what's being written there in the United States, but I I feel like the feminists here in our country are dropping the ball, uh, not 
taking this conversation to these other levels. Yes, they're 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 you know they're talking about Me Too and they're talking about Time's Up, and they're talking about these things in very vague terms of abuse or maybe rape but you know they they mm. aren't they aren't talking about domestic violence they aren't talking about mm. female genital mutilation you know they aren't talking about bad sex and the horrible things men do with their penises uh because mm. they uh either don't know any better or don't care but you know it it all it's all part of the of the problem and yes. it, you know it just it feels like the conversation needs to be expanded yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it, it, let, let me say something about this uh, chastity issue. Uh, for a man to be sure that the woman is not having some other man's 100% baby is control. He has to control her. Mm-hmm. And this word, control, is absolutely fundamental. I mean, this is the difference between men and women. A woman knows the baby's her, she's lying there, you know, screaming her head off. A man, he's never sure, ask him how many kids he's got, you know, two or three, as far as I know, ha, ha, ha. You know, mm-hmm. there is that uncertainty. This is the, really the only difference between men and women. Now, of course, we've got, you know, DNA and all of that, but you know, there is this difference, um, and the only way men have... Uh, to you know get around it historically speaking is control and this is what they're obsessed with control of the rhythm in intercourse you know control of the woman you know around the house you know whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah um and um yeah i think these things are very very deep and yes yeah well i mean we, look, we still we have republicans in office that actually uh, are, are ignorant enough to say in public that, you know, they don't think women should be in the workplace, you know. Uh, it, and, and, I, and I, you know, and when I hear that, I see a scared little man who uh, is so insecure that, you know, he needs to keep control of his woman, you know. Definitely. He isn't a good enough husband, a good enough lover, a good enough um partner in life that she would want to stay with him you know Mm. instead Mm. he's got to shackle her some way yes absolutely um i mean talking about shackles um if you you know men had had control over the children for, for for most of history that we know of and this is and and in much of the world today those children belong to the men you know, you you go to a lot of countries, the children belong to the men, it's very simple. And a woman can't leave a man because she'll have to leave the children behind, mm-hmm. you know. And this is why domestic violence in sub-Saharan Africa or wherever it is really needs to be understood in this way. I mean, if I had, you know, all the money in the world, I would print up, a, you know, a trillion leaflets showing the facts of life, you know, with the little mm-hmm. pictures. And I would drop them all over Afghanistan, Pakistan, China, India, you know, mm-hmm. sub-Saharan Africa, all over the place. Because there's a humongous amount of uh, lack of, um, of of knowledge about this. I mean, there's a woman called Marcia Inhorn. She's based at Yale. She has done some work in, in, in on infertility, really that's her her field, um, in Egypt. 
So in doing that, she was then talking to people about, you know, conception, you know, what they understood about the facts of life. They know about sperm. They call them worms. But they think the entire child is inside men's worms, you Hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And um, so what they've done is they've taken the old seed and soil idea, you know, the woman's the soil, the man's the seed. Um, That's what I mean by seed and soil. Um, But they've kind of updated it a little bit. They've thrown in sperm. Mm -hmm. But they still see it as his child, you know. And this is what's going on all over the world. You know, we cannot go to Afghanistan and think that, you know, by walking in there and saying, oh, look, you treat your women really badly, you know, grow up. Uh, It's going to make not the slightest bit of difference because those people have a completely different understanding about what nature is. And nature is God. It's blasphemous to challenge these ideas. Well, you know, knowledge is power. And yeah. when you can uh when you control the knowledge, then you sort of control the you know, you control the narrative and the the world view and uh and everything that that comes from that. And, and when there's you no think, more no no more important pa- uh, knowledge, Karen, than the knowledge of life itself. Right. 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 Human life. And, and, That's what anybody's and, and I mean, been concerned about. Yeah, I mean, you could almost forgive these people in ancient times before we had the science, but it's egregious to, uh, in this day and age, to not know better. I mean, we're talking a whole different ball of wax now. You know, there's no excuse. Yeah. Anymore. Well, I mean, more than that, you can buy DNA on the Internet, you know, make your own kind of, you know, play with your own DNA stuff. I mean, we're living in a global village, but you've got some people who are, you know, incredibly, you know, technological, and you've got other people who know absolutely nothing. Right, and, right. You know, we cut, we're, we've got a, we're, we're looking at each other with these cultural chasms, you know, between us, and... Um, you know, we need to bridge that gap. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, very, very keen about that. Well, half of your book um, is, is uh, you know, move, here I'm moving us back in time now. Um, yeah. Half of your book is, is dedicated to prehistory. So talk a bit about that. Well, the, the, the thing is, you know, when I was researching this, um, once I kind of discovered you know, the history of embryology and how people discovered, you know, the facts of life. But then the question was, well, when did it begin? You know, when did this patriarchal idea of reproduction actually begin? So I'm tracking back and back and back and back through time. And then I come to a kind of interface. And you can see that um, you had all these thunder gods and earth goddesses and images of females with seeds on their abdomens, and indeed there's a, 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 a figurine from Chattelhoyuk where the seed is actually pushed inside the clay figurine, you know. I mean, if that mm-hmm. isn't a message saying that the seed is in the woman, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so so now we have a concept that the woman has a seed within her, like a perennial seed in the ground, which in mm-hmm. fact she does have, the over in the, in the woman from birth. And the man waters it. Now, we call it genomic imprinting. 
they called it watering. There's not actually that much difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the Neolithic. Once you go further back in time, you're into, you know, the Paleolithic. I think it's perfectly obvious they thought that women were parthenogenetic. They reproduced on their own, which is not a bizarre concept at all. Because, of course, we've got the Trograand Islanders where they believe exactly that. They, incidentally, have an original creatrix who um, lost her hymen when, by lying back in a cave and letting the water drip repeatedly on her hymen. And that's hmm. how it got broken, you know. Um, and then they kind of joke, well, there are various other ways you could break the hymen. You know, they have a laugh about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we're, looking at diff- we're looking at at least four major ideas about reproduction. The, the, the Paleolithic, part, she's parthenogenetic. You pluck a baby from a woman like a fruit from a tree or a root from the earth. You know, this is a perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, understandable theory. <clears throat> then we move into the seed and soil. Now the man's involved. We see a lot more images of men. I say a lot more. We begin to see some, because in the Paleolithic, they're conspicuous by their absence. So around 10,000 BC, we begin to see, um, you know, uh, males uh, as imagery, simply as imagery. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, then we have the water gods, the, the man watering the woman. Then we move into the patriarchal era, and they think that the, the seed is in the man and the woman's the soil. She's the incubator. And now we're in the fourth age, which is to say we believe in two seeds and fusion. Now, in amongst these four, you've got, you know, a thousand other variations on these four broad groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of cross over here and there. I mean, you know, we're talking about the facts of life. Every single person who ever lived has some, the first thing a kid asks is, where do I come from? You know, that's the first, you know, they're going to look around and say, well, how did I get here? Where did I come from? You mm-hmm. know, it is the universal question. Right. So here's the, cra- here's, here's the mad thing. Everybody who ever lives asks, where do I come from? We call them the facts of life. And yet we've had at least four major theories, and yet nobody talks about it. People think, <laughs> you know, we've, we've always known the facts of life. Do you see what I'm saying, Karen? It's yeah, weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we just sort of um, took things for granted in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 not really uh, understanding how our lack of understanding shapes society. No, no, that's right. And I'm 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 not I'm, I I think that um, you know feminism has completely overlooked this. It's completely ridiculous in my opinion. They've got hung up on Engels and you know the growth of the city state and development of private property or you know men are thugs and bullies and women income poops to put up with them and you know I've, there are 17 theorists that I've got a list of somewhere. None of them make sense. They're not logical. Plus, mm-hmm. of course, they're not what people actually said. You know, that's yeah. not what they said. It's what Engels said with Marx, fair enough, that was a long time ago, but it's not what was what a whole other, you know, entire eon called history, though what's not what those men said. They talked yeah. about the facts of life. So I don't know why it's been overlooked. I don't know why I'm the only person to write about it. It's a complete mystery to me. 
Um, but, you know, I bang on about it because I think it's really important. When you understand yeah. all this, you can look back over your shoulder and see patriarchy for what it was, which was a, the biggest mistake of our collective lives. You know, look back. You know, not let, let, let's not get angry about it. It happened. It was a mistake. You know, let's get over it. It was a misunderstanding. Yeah. And, it, and it, it almost it makes it, I don't know, at least in my mind, um, to understand that mistake makes it easier to recognize what's going on today. And yeah. I think it almost makes it easier to fix it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally, because if you totally can say, agree. you know, th- these these ridiculous ideas um, were based on a, a, a misconception, <laughs> um, yes. then then you can say, all right, then let's fix it. You know, I mean, it's just the logical thing to do, <laughs> and yeah. um, I, I don't know. Then then you can get religion out of it, and. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably, uh, you know, uh, being idealistic here, but it just—I don't know. There's a logic to it that that you can correct the mistake, and thereby you can no longer justify the, this crazy uh, sexism and subjugation and abuse and all the rest. Karen, I love you. You put your finger on it every time. You just put your finger right on it, don't you? I mean, it's it's like I'm holding a balloon in my hand, right? It's called patriarchy. And you can walk along with a needle and just pop the damn thing. It was a mistake. It was logical. Given, you know, men lied about it. When they did discover the facts of life, they didn't, you know, dance up and down and put a great big advert in the Times about it. You know, they, they kept trying right. to cover it up. Let's make yeah. no mistake about it. They tried to cover it up. They weren't very, you know, magnanimous about, you know, oh, God, we've made a big mistake over the past 5,000 years. They didn't do any of that. They tried well, to cover know, it Julia, up. Well, when a system, you know, I've been starting to think about this a lot. And, um, you know, in, in women, too, women are guilty of this, too. If a system is working for them, even if the system sucks, for a million trillion billion other people, if it works for them, then yeah. they're not, they're not gonna rock the boat, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so even but I tell you what I, you they know, will I, do, Karen. They will moan. I am sick to death of hearing women moan about their husbands, their partners, their heterosexual partners. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they moan, oh, he doesn't know how to use a dishwasher, he makes me do, you know, I have to cook dinner every night, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, you're living in this patriarchal world. Get over it. Get out of it. Walk, you know, look behind you. It was all a damn mistake. Move on, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. As you say, it's very, it's, it's liberating because you can see it for what it was. It was a mistake. We need to step out of it. It's mm-hmm. almost like there's a mirror in front of us. We need to walk through that mirror and get mm-hmm. to the other side. See it for what it was. It was a mistake. And, I mean, I, I don't live in patriarchy, you know. I mean, I can spot patriarchy at 100 paces. You know, I, I, I have nothing to do with it. But there are women living in, in other parts of the world. I mean, those poor women, Karen. Yeah. Those poor women. They're, they they can't get out of it. It's horrific yes. what they're going yes. through. You know. Well, and and well, look. I mean, but you know, a lot of times these are places where girls can't even go to school. You know, 
um, well, and, and yeah. they're they're taken as brides at twelve. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a it's well, you know, I'm saying the word sin. I guess I'm saying it, uh, you know, using that as uh, in in many different ways. Um, but uh, no wonder, you know, these guys don't want these girls to be educated. Oh no, 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 no. They 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 like it the way it is. The nature yeah. of power is retain your power, and power is corruptive. Never a truer word said. Um, you know, it's, and it's, it, I'm not blaming, you know, men. Anyone will, if any, if, if, if a male or woman, you know, if, if you can get away with not doing something, you know what I mean? Somebody wants to do all that for you. Sure. You know, you'll let them. You'll let them. Sure. I'm not saying there's any, I don't actually think there's much difference between men and women. I've known pre- plenty of horrible women. And, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, <laughs> plenty of marvelous, marvelous men, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. I've lived with a, a man completely egalitarian. I mean, really, completely. Uh, not British, I must uh, tell you. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think men are worse than women. I mean, they've been, what, is, what the thing is this? They've been given so much control, they're now completely out of control. And now yeah. they need reining in. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. things that men do, the Rohingya in Malaya... Uh, in um, what am I talking about? You know the Rohingya in Burma. Um, what's it called? Myanmar. Oh yeah. The stories about what those soldiers have been doing to the babies. You know the babies. And you know we've seen this in wars all over the holding the. Ba- I mean what they do to babies. They kill the babies. You know in the most horrific horrific ways all over the world. All through these wars. I don't think a woman would do that. Yeah, I, really I, I, I think there is. I, I think there's a line that maybe most women won't cross. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I I will say that, but I agree with what you said. You know, there are a lot of lousy women. There are a lot of good men, and uh, it, but but going to what you said before, where you know when when this stuff was discovered and nobody was jumping up and down to say, hey, wait, we made a mistake and look at the consequences of this mistake. We need to fix it. Yeah. Why nobody was yeah. jumping up and down? trying to put that on the front page of every newspaper, uh, you know, cowardice, (laughs) Uh, you know, not wanting to destroy one's career, I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's like it what it it probably would not have been a welcome it wouldn't have been welcome information, you know, because uh I mean just look at the churches, you know, how the churches are based on this uh, these fallacies. Oh yeah, I mean it would just turn everything on its head. It's just, the whole the whole thing's a complete you know the whole thing's ridiculous. I mean you know yeah. don't don't Agreed. even start me on religion. You know, um, yeah. So um, well, it is, so where do we go from here? I mean, was there? Um, were there any other points about this that you wanted to make that, um, uh, you know, maybe I haven't thought to ask or we haven't covered? Um, uh, wait, let me think. Um, well, what I, what I really want to get across is that um, we we need to move forward. As women, we need to move forward. I'm very, very upset about the state of the world. 
and um, I think men are behaving atrociously. The planet is getting completely mucked up, and women need to move forward. You know, they need to forget about, you know, um, uh, you know, doing lightweight, lightweight kind of subjects. They need to become mm-hmm. marine biologists or scientists or material, you know, they need to do more in that kind of scientific era, you know. Yeah, the heavy lifting. Um, we subject. need to start doing yeah. more of the heavy lifting. Yeah, you know, the intellectual stuff. Because, of course, they've been held back intellectually. I mean, mm-hmm. the women women couldn't pick up their Cambridge degrees until 1948. 1948, yeah. Karen, you know. Yeah. They could, do, they could do the work for some many years before then, but they could not actually get their degrees, the actual piece of paper. Um and um, women have been denied. In, I've read so much feminist history. I can't tell you how depressing the whole thing is. Well, I mean, and, I was you know, amazed. I, I mean, it took me going to Turkey to find out that the women in Turkey could vote before the women in the United States could. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when when women here in the United States think, uh, you know, we're so exceptional, uh, I don't think they're reading the right books. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think I think uh, we must be very grateful in the West, in Britain, in America, uh, Europe, um, for for what we what we what we have, because generally women in Turkey do not have a great time, I would say, especially these days. Yeah, um, I mean, things have gotten worse. For yeah, things yeah, have they've gotten gone worse. Backwards. But it, it, yeah. you know, I I think when it was more secular. Um, yes, it, it was it was better, but it's taken a turn to conservatism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, you know, there there is there is so much to be done, and, and I just just don't think we can simply leave it to 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 the men. I mean, with the with the the things that they're doing, which are absolutely horrific and vile, I won't even start on child abuse. Um, you know they're completely out of control, and women need to step in and just say no, 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 no. All of that is part of the patriarchal paradigm. You need to stop it now. Well, enough and, enough. and I, but I think um, I think Julia, a lot of this goes to you know, and, I, and I'll sort of punctuate this point again. If the system is working for you, if you're comfortable, whether you're a man or a woman, you uh, you don't rock the boat. And unfortunately, I think that's what we're still seeing um and that i think that's disturbing you know i i feel that's sort of relinquishing your responsibility as a human being um and uh, and we see too much of it i mean um i think about our our women politicians um who really are just uh trying to perpetuate uh, agendas that um, you know they're not progressive. They don't really do things for the people. They're just uh, you know continuing to perpetuate corporate control over yes. workers and the planet. Yes. Uh, women yes. can be just as bad as men. And um, and I don't know. You know, I thought when Trump got into office, things were going to get um, so bad that people were going to have to get up on their couch, up off their couch and become activists and i know a lot mm. have but mm. you know i wonder mm. if it's going to have to still get even worse i don't know yeah i, hope not. I know 
I, I, I think it's very interesting, you know, points you're making there about this kind of, um, you know, complacency and, and mm-hmm. not recognizing actually how important and how dreadful things are in uh, so much of the world. Um, well, yeah. you know, there was just this article I read this week about the cruelty in the United States, and uh, the author made this point that um, uh, Americans have been punching down since since the beginning of the country's history. Uh, you know, the English who were oppressed in England come over as our pilgrims, and what do they do? They uh, they punch down on the indigenous people and try yeah. to subjugate them. Then, you know, as the immigrant waves started coming over, you know, we uh, we made second-class citizens <laughs> of the Italians and the Irish oh. and the oh. Germans. Oh. And, you know, in every wave of immigrants who got punched down on, well, they rise up a little bit in the social strata and they punch down on the next wave yeah. of immigrants. Yeah. Unlike... Yeah. The Scandinavian countries that yeah. seem to want to uplift all their people, you know. Yes, that's very true, and I, I do think gender equality is hugely important because what we have is, a, if you can imagine, a ladder. So we've got a kind of, you know, I'm better than you, I'm a rung higher than you, and this gender thing, this patriarchal thing, has men above women, and you know, they mm-hmm. anyway, you know, once you have that kind of paradigm of a ladder. You don't have the opposite, which is instead of a a vertical, you have a horizontal. If you can imagine, you know, flashing your arm into infinity on a horizontal plane, that is an equality. And we can only arrive at that equality for all human beings if we start getting rid of these rungs of these ladders. Once you have that template, of I'm above you because of whatever, whatever. Um, you know, then you've got racial things in there and cultural things and, you know, all the, mm-hmm. all the rest of it. And but, I but think see, this is why... I wonder, what is it going to take to get rid of the rungs of the ladder? What is it going to take for us to see each other as equals and care about one another and, um, you know, uh, put our tax dollars toward... Uh, making people's quality of life better, you know. Um, you know, I, I wonder if it's different in the Scandinavian countries because they're mostly all, and I'm guessing here, but I'm assuming they're mostly all of the same nationality. Is it different here because um, we aren't, because we're a melting pot? Is that what prevents... I, 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 the, 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 the Scandinavians, yes, they have royalty, but they kind of, their geography and their farming and so on, you had a lot of different people with the same amount of land. You know, everybody had their little homesteads kind of spread out. And so there was no one person gaining wealth above another. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you have a royalty, as I say, but they're incredibly open. I mean, if you send a letter to the you know the queen of or the king of you know these nordic countries i think you know sweden in particular um you as a member of the public can sit there and open his mail you know it's open hmm. yeah i mean you know there there's no there's no kind of like you know royal privacy and 
you know, yeah. they, they drive, you know, they ride around on bicycles and stuff. Here in the in in England, oh my God, we've got so many rungs on the ladder; it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I think we've got a bigger problem here than we've got in America. Um, and it's class, you know, it's all about you know hierarchy and class and all this nonsense, and that's because of our feudal feudal background. Yeah. True. Um, True. I think the historical, you know, foundations of a of a country are hugely important. Um, and you know, I I I I yearn for this kind of equality that you're talking about here. Um, you know, well, and, and the people who came and, to the United States had this manifest destiny, you know, where they felt they were entitled to uh, just, you know, move west and, you know, uh, yeah. take for themselves whatever they could grab, uh, and and they were entitled to it, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it, it yeah it's it's uh, we 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 got to figure our way around it, and you know there was a time when I thought. Um, you know, I mean, I know religion is supposed to, you know, play a role in society to bring people morality, but at least here in the United States, I don't see uh, religion playing a role in, um, in, in, in helping people with their values. You know, I mean, we have prosperity gospels, you know, that sort of gives license to greed, uh, yeah. Where greed greed used to be one of the seven deadly sins, yeah. um, you know it's uh, I don't know you know we're a mess. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, um, it you know I I, I I'm not you know uh, I I'm not sure what more we can say on this. I um, you know I I love your insights and uh, I'm so glad you're still out there plugging away. Uh, teaching these ideas because they're so important. Um, you know, was you. was there anything? You know, I I know we want to give your website again. Uh, is is there any closing comments um, you want to make that uh, maybe you know we'd forgotten up until this no, point? No, I mean I, I I would urge anyone who's interested in this subject to you know get my book on Amazon. Um, it's um, you know it, it's. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's there. It's on Amazon, the misconception files. And I'd love them to read it because, you know, I'm on a mission to spread this the whole subject. We need to open it up. Yeah, well, you need some Pied Pipers. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Julia, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, your website again, uh, themisconceptionfiles.com, is, was that it? Yes. I'm, I'm going by memory That's here. That's right. Yeah, same same title as the book. Okay, okay, great. Well, listen, I have enjoyed our chat, and um, I just love what you had to say tonight because it is so relevant, and it plays perfectly into the times. Um, you know, I would, you know, I I wish there were a way we could go on a campaign and um, connect the dots and some social media the way we did tonight with, uh, you know, the Me Too and the Time's Up and the yes. female genital mutilation and the domestic violence and show mm. how all mm. of that mm. is mm. just um, it intolerable. connects the dots. Yeah, huh? it's, it, it's intolerable. The whole thing is intolerable. And, you know, thank you so much, Karen, for, um, you know, uh, having me on your show. 
and um, understanding, you know, where I'm coming from with this because um, it it is, uh, I believe, very liberating. I, I sincerely yeah. believe that this is a hugely liberating subject because you can see the past. It was all completely logical, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and they did cover it up, and now they're out of control, and now we need to get the control back. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's it, going to be a struggle. Wish it was easy as throwing a net over them. <laughs> I like that yes. visual. <laughs> I love that visual. Okay. I love it. Yeah. All right, Julia. Um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the conversation tonight. And good luck with, um, you know, uh, making sure the world knows about your book. <laughs> thank you so much, Karen. Lovely to talk to you. Stimulating as always. I've, you've given me a few ideas too, so thank you. <laughs> oh well, uh, I'm glad to have done it. Thank you so much, and uh, let's keep in touch, okay? Okay, Karen. Take All care. Right. Good night. Nice. Well, that was Julia Stonehouse and uh, her book again, The Misconception Files. Um, uh, lots of good stuff there. Lots of uh, connecting the dots, I think. And um, I don't know. I, I guess I want to challenge my listeners out there. You know, uh, you've heard what we had to say. You get it. Um, especially with, uh, you know, with the the Me Too movement and the Times Up movement uh, going on right now. You know, let's expand this conversation. You know, let's get specific. Um, you know, let's not just t- talk about, you know, rape and abuse uh, in these sort of vague, overarching, all-encompassing uh, terms. You know, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. You know, let's talk about uh, that this, you know, this is also about domestic violence. This is also about female genital mutilation. This is about bad sex. This is about... Um, you know, men uh, misusing their penis. Um, you know, let's let's be vocal about this. You know, the time could not uh, be better, and uh, I think we have to use our voice. You know, while people are paying attention, so that they connect the dots uh, about all of this. Because you know, this isn't just about assault in the workplace. Um, or, you know, men using their power over women in the workplace. It's about all of this abuse that uh, women have endured uh, for thousands of years. And um, it, is, it is just all connected. I mean, if it were a necklace, it would be, you know, uh, one bead threaded next to another bead, threaded next to another bead, threaded next to another bead. It would be like a string of pearls, uh, if you will. Okay, well, um, I, I hope you'll stay with me. I have, uh, our Pat, our roving reporter, has sent in a couple articles for you that uh, uh, I want to share with you. But uh, first, uh, a word from Joe Carson. Most people's psychic experiences are dreaming. And it's thought that it's the pineal gland making this chemical that does it. Now, this was the core finding core finding that the pineal gland makes a hallucinogen, we all hallucinate, we all go into a state of consciousness that for me is the collective unconscious. The psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet, what's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Because all peoples, all races, all tribes from the past and right around the world have myths and legends which use symbols and archetypes which are identical. Identical. 
Every human being experiences this state of consciousness, which is the dream mind. That symbolic, archetypal, exemplified by fairy tales, or the creation myths and legends of all the different peoples. The symbols of them are the same, and to me that is the consciousness of the earth speaking to us. Carson with uh, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, you can buy uh, the DVD and booklet uh, for only $20 at dancingwithgaia.com uh, with some snippets uh, from Joe Carson's uh, feature-length uh, documentary film. Uh, in it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teaches about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of the goddess as Gaia. Um, so, yes, uh, Pat, uh, our roving reporter, sent us uh, a couple uh, interesting um, articles I wanted to share with you. The first uh, comes from the Daily Coast, and the author is Walter uh, Einenkel. And um, he tells us that um, in Utah, uh, a statue of Andrew Jackson uh, was changed to honor the NASA engineer uh, by the same name instead. Uh, the, uh, the title to the article exactly goes, uh, goes like this. Down goes Andrew Jackson as Utah School changes names to honor NASA engineer. So uh, this is a good story for women. Uh, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, the city school board voted um, – a few weeks ago to change the name of Jackson Elementary School from Andrew Jackson to Mary W. Jackson. Yeah, you heard it right, Mary W. Jackson. And you might say, well, who the heck is Mary W. Jackson? Well, the school's name now honors the first black female NASA engineer whose story was featured in the film Hidden Figures. Uh, it's also the first Utah school to be named after a woman. Cheer! Yay! Uh, the Tribune reported that while changing the school's name had been under consideration for years, the board did not move forward until it was determined that 73% of parents, alumni, and other community members supported the change. Uh, Jackson was portrayed by Janelle Monet in the recent film Hidden Figures uh, for all the tiki torch-waving uh, a-holes that are trying to rewrite history did not include the rebellion and the loss of the Civil War. There are millions more trying to write our often omitted history, and that carries many more powerful emotions than just the seizing, seething fear and anger promoted by the white supremacist-in-chief. On uh, Tuesday night, uh, past Tiffany Sandberg, who represents Jackson Elementary's district on the school board, choked back tears as she read a motion to rename Salt Lake City's oldest elementary school, Mary Jackson Elementary School. It passed unanimously to a standing ovation from parents, diversity advocates, and other community members gathered at the meeting. Uh, according to Pat Patwari, uh, Pat uh, chair of the school's uh, community council, uh, she said, we just thought it would be good to have a school that honored somebody I could tell my children to look up to. Nice story. 
And the other uh, story here that Pat sent in, uh, she says, the largest number of scientists in modern U.S. history uh, are running for office in 2018. And the story goes on, uh, this was in the Huffington Post, uh, more than 60 researchers and technologists are running for federal office in 2018 as part of a historic wave of candidates with science backgrounds launching campaigns. At least 200 candidates with previous careers in science, technology, engineering, and math announced bids for some of the nation's roughly 7,000 state legislature seats as of January 31st, according to data that 314 Action, a political action committee, uh, shared exclusively with the Huffington Post. Uh, the group, which uh, launched in 2014 to help scientists run for office, said it's uh, talking with 500 more people and is pressing about half of them to run. An additional 200 such candidates are running for school board. Um, Shaughnessy uh, Norton told the Huffington Post, uh, quote, the sheer number is really astonishing. We've never seen anything like this, unquote. Uh, this is the largest number of scientists to run for public office in modern history. If any of them win, it could dramatically multiply the number of scientists in Congress beyond Representative Bill Foster, a Democrat from Illinois, who is the lone Ph.D. scientist uh, and a physicist. Uh, President Donald Trump has yet to name a science advisor, uh, leading some to declare that Fox News is filling the position. The attacks on science, of course, didn't start with the Trump administration, but it's been a catalyst to getting scientists out of the lab and into running for federal office, Norton said. Uh, that is one bright spot. At a Republican debate held last month, all six candidates answered no when asked if they believed in man-made climate change. This is what we're up against, Gupta told Huffington Post, adding that he wants to bring evidence-based policy solutions uh, into Congress. We don't have enough of that now, and we need it now more than ever. These are not people that envision themselves as politicians and build a resume around that. These are people that are genuinely outraged and concerned by the direction the country is going, especially in this administration and this Congress. It seems that the time has really come, she added. I find that really encouraging. Well, you know, aside from climate change, I'm also thinking about, um, you know, Republicans who, uh, you know, have used uh, phony science to uh, justify when life begins to, um, um, you know, make abortions that much more difficult uh, to get for women. Uh, I mean, they're either ignoring science or using phony science to push so many crazy ideas uh, and regress uh, the country uh, or take people's rights away. Um, so this is this is really good news, and I thank Pat uh, for sending in these two um, these two articles. Um, so uh, before I go, though, uh, one other thing from Joe Carson. The psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and the divine were all connected. They were together, that there wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. 
what's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Um, yeah, that's another snippet from uh, Joe Carson's book, uh, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, it really sort of gives you an idea of, um, you know, what's in her books, uh, Dancing with Gaia, and the other one, uh, Celebrate Wildness. Uh, Joe Carson's newest book, Celebrate Wildness, uh, by Dana Corby, um, uh, you know, she wrote a great review for The Rant and Raven, and she talked about, um, you know, when the people wonder about how uh, the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they didn't take into account but should, uh, was a group called Feriferia. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. Well, Feriferia, uh, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots, meaning wilderness festival, um, is a pagan tradition uh, unlike any other, uh, based on Fred's vision of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that really do no harm to anything. It also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans, such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Well, Fred intended that Feriferia uh, should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, Eros, and play are the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fae romp among us. So the book Celebrate Wildness um, is really a unique, exquisite, profound book. It uh, created a sort of homesickness in Dana, uh, as she she describes it. Uh, She called it a wistfulness for the idealist uh, that she was, uh, that we all were back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Um, Celebrate Wildness is a short book, only 115 art-laden pages. Um, we wouldn't want you to read it quick. It would be great for you to take your time, let it sink into your subconscious, uh, sit with it, let it marinate. And you know what? What bobs to the surface uh, no doubt will be wondrous. Uh, Celebrate Wildness is uh, $45 from feraferia.org, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A.org. Uh, it's an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. And um, as I said before, the uh, Dancing with Gaia, uh, which uh, we had that little commercial for earlier too, uh, that DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini book, Uh, which goes even deeper into the ideas of earth energy, sacred sexuality, the return of goddess goddess as Gaia, and uh, all the wonderful spiritual sites uh, from northern Scotland to uh, central Turkey uh, that uh, affected the origins of Western culture. Uh, So these are two great books you really might want to consider for your library, and both by uh, the great Joe Carson. Thanks, Joe, for being a supporter of the show. Uh, Well, that about does it for me tonight, Uh, dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you enjoyed Julia uh, and my conversation. 
uh, please go to her website, the Miss, uh, Misconception Files, uh, uh, com and see what she has there. Uh, use it. Uh, use the material there. Um, talk about these subjects. And uh, like I said, I challenge you to um, piggyback on this Me Too and Time's Up movement uh, to uh, connect the dots between these important subjects uh, we talked about tonight because it all is interconnected. Uh, Well, I uh, will leave you now, um, and um, we're going to go ahead and uh, let you listen to another of Abigail Spinner McBride's Uh, singles, and this one is called Pass Through the Portal. Good night, and uh, come back next Wednesday. At this time of Samhain, when the veils between the worlds are thin, through the power of one mind, with the pure love of one heart, we open a portal to the other side. We peel back the veil and we call to those of our ancestors and beloved dead who would like to experience this time of magic with us. We invite them to be fully present in this sacred space, to see through our eyes, to move through our bodies, to speak through our words and to dance in this space with us until we close our circle when they will return across the great divide. We welcome the ancestors. Blessed be. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate, Enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate. Enter and be reborn. Pass through the portal, go through the gate. Enter and be reborn. That which is remembered never dies. 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 That which is remembered never dies All things change All things change All things change All things change That which is remembered never dies That which is remembered never dies That which is remembered
gate Enter and be reborn Pass through the portal Go through the gate Enter and be reborn 